0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Dorenda Wilson Podcast. I'm Dorinda Wilson, wife to one for 31 years, mom to eight kids ages 16 to 30, and Nana to six, with number seven on the way. We've also been homeschooling for over 25 years. I'm the author of the Unhurried Homeschooler and of a brand new book being released in June by Zondervan Publishers called The Four Hour School Day. I would love for you to receive all the announcements about incentives and bonuses first by subscribing to my website, go to DorendaWilson.com. Lastly, I often speak at homeschool conventions and women's events. So if you'd like to have me come and speak in your area, please connect with me by going to my website and clicking the speaking tab to find out more. I have a media kit there as well to just give you an example of uh, the many topics that I speak on. I'd love to connect with you. Also, on that same page, you can look at my calendar to see where I will be speaking throughout the year because I would love to connect with you in real life, if at all possible. Well, yesterday I found myself reading through a journal from 13 years ago. Wow. I was reminded how easily as we raise and homeschool our kids, we can be swayed by circumstances and emotions. You know, as I poured my heart out onto those pages, I could just see how my circumstances impacted me, how my emotions impacted me, and that wasn't always necessarily bad, but it's just kind of a force to be reckoned with as women and as wives because especially as women, um, we tend to be more emotional, obviously, than men. That's not always the case across the board, but more often than not, women are more emotional than men. And it's part of how we're wired because God made us to be nurturers. He made us typically relational. And so uh, I think it's important, and God knew it was important, that there would be some emotions involved. However, uh, sometimes they get in the way. Um, so they're not necessarily a bad thing, but sometimes we need to pay attention to where they're going and what we're supposed to do with them. We need we need wisdom from God's word to know how to deal with our emotions as women and how to view our circumstances as well. Um, but it's important that when it comes to our circumstances and our emotions that we learn to discern where God is working in our circumstances, I, I have found that to be absolutely essential in uh, walking in wisdom. And the other thing that's very important is to understand and remember the role of our emotions. Now, if you've been listening to me for any length of time, you know I've talked about emotions before as sort of a warning light on the dashboard of life. So picture yourself driving down the road with your in your car, and and um, s- suddenly on the dash there, you know, the light goes on and maintenance light or something that says something may not be right under the hood, right? So what's the best thing for us to do? Well, we don't ignore it, but we also don't freak out and have, you know, the entire engine replaced because the light went on. No, we examine, we look, we um, discern what the problem is, because it's a warning light. It's basically saying, hey, there's something over here to pay attention to, but we need to dig a little deeper and use discernment to find out exactly what that is so that we can fix it and keep that engine running smoothly. So all that to say, our, our emotions are often a warning light on the dashboard of life. So both of these instances that I just uh, mentioned, discerning where God is working in our circumstances, and understanding and remembering the role of our emotions; these both require us to be intentional at what the Bible calls guarding our hearts. We need to be truth seekers as we walk out the process of uh, of guarding our hearts. Now, Proverbs four twenty three is where that term comes from. And I've got three different translations. They essentially say the same thing, but I love sort of like cross-referencing translations because it sort of gives you a, a, a fuller picture of what is being said. So Proverbs 4.23 in the New Livings Translation says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. The New International Version says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And the English Standard Version says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. So I think the first question we would need to to answer is, what what does the heart represent? Because clearly this is a very essential part of, of this passage. So the heart represents the center of our emotions, our thinking, and our reasoning. So I'll read the NLT version again, and think of uh, keep that in mind as I'm reading through it. The center of our emotions, thinking, and reasoning. It says, "Guard your heart, the center of our emotions." Thinking and reasoning above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So being intentional about guarding our hearts is crucial in the battle between wisdom and foolishness, between righteousness and evil. Now, what does that mean for us as moms? Let's let's go, let's take this just a little bit deeper and um, apply it to our role as moms and homeschooling moms. What that means for us as moms, as homeschooling moms, is that guarding our hearts will ultimately make the difference in how we raise and homeschool our kids. That's significant, moms. That is something worth paying attention to. Now, one thing we always have to bear in mind, I always like to repeat this, we're never going to do this perfectly. I did not do this perfectly. I still don't do it perfectly, but we need to be aware of, in the big scheme of things, as we step back, what is the exception and what is the rule? Are we being intentional overall about guarding our hearts? Because, and this is really important, when it comes to our kids, more is caught than taught. Like We can talk until we're blue in the face, but what our kids are really looking at are our actions and our follow-through, okay? Are we living what we claim? Are our kids seeing us being intentional in guarding our hearts? You know, we we want them to do that. We often will even talk to them about that. We might not use that term specifically, but we will warn them against, you know, watching things that aren't, aren't good for us, not um, overloading ourselves with, you um, know, Too much information that isn't biblical, that isn't godly, you know, watching too much TV, playing too many video games. We talk to our kids about that, right? Are we being intentional about guarding our hearts? So that would lead into the next question, which would be, what does it look like to guard our hearts? Well, I can think of two really main things. And the first one is to take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, Okay, 2 Corinthians 10 verses three through five says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ or captive to obey God. Christ. Now, where I want to focus here is this lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, okay? So, one of those one of the ways that this plays out is we find ourselves having negative emotions, okay? Let's just say we're we're frustrated, we're angry, we're disappointed, we're hurt. Um It's really important that we take the time to slow down and ask God to show us why those feelings are present. What is this all about? Because I I don't know about you, but I tend to feel things before I think them. I, I often feel before I think, and then I have to kind of square up my mind with my heart. Why am I feeling this way? What's going on? But a mistake that I have made... Um, is sometimes just trying to, in my own understanding, trying to find reasons. And that takes you or can take you down a a bad road really quickly, because it can quickly lead to self-pity or feeling like a victim versus the opposite, which would be to ask God to reveal to us why those feelings are present. So he can bring to us and reveal to us, and this is what we should ask for, um, the reasons why those feelings are present. But here's the thing. It takes a moment. We've got to slow down. We have to hit the pause button. We have to unhurry our hearts and ask God to show us. Um, why those negative feelings are present. Sometimes I would just sit back and I would just sort of watch what was going on in the room. I would ask the Lord for discernment because sometimes I didn't realize my kids were doing something that I really needed to pay attention to. So there was this negative emotion that I didn't understand where it was coming from, but it was an irritation because in the You know how it is. We can multitask, right? We can be doing two other things and we're noticing, you know, within earshot that something's not right with a couple of the kids. Maybe they're arguing or you get this feeling like they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. So, all those are wonderful gifts of red flags to us from the Lord. Um, And so, we need to stop and say, God, what is it? You know, sometimes I'm just my, my, my mind, I, I'm actually thinking about things that I shouldn't be thinking about or worrying about things that I shouldn't be worrying about. I heard, uh, I love that show, Blue Bloods. And uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, the, the patriarch of the family said, he said, there's no sense in rehearsing for tragedy. And I think that often as women, we are tempted to rehearse for tragedy. We'll be thinking about something. Maybe we ran across a Facebook post or we um, just... You know, start thinking about something we read, and all of a sudden we're just going down this road that the Bible would call vain imaginations, and we don't even realize we're doing it. But the emotion begins to rear itself, and that gives us that red flag that maybe our minds are not on what they should be. Um, and so some good questions to ask ourselves at that point is, what am I meditating on? And what am I believing? Because what we meditate on is what we begin to believe. In the Psalms, um, David says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And in Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So that's a pretty clear list of the types of things we should be meditating on along with, maybe even thinking about someone who is setting a good example as a believer and be thinking about how they're living their life. So that's a that's another thing we can do. I I love listening sometimes to sermons or short little uh, spurts on YouTube or whatever from people that I trust who I know uh, their doctrine is solid and just listening to um, their words of encouragement so that's something we can also be meditating on so it's it's God's word but it's also his principles that can be that can be spoken not necessarily in verses but in someone's testimony or in um, you know the, the things that they're talking about the topics that they're discussing on a short little You know, podcast or whatever. So these are things that we can be meditating on and that we should be meditating on. So the second thing um, that we need to pay attention to when it comes to guarding our hearts, so the first is to take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, and the second is to know what leads us places in thoughts or actions that don't glorify the Lord. So again, we're going back to these lofty opinions raised against the knowledge of God. You know, we have a pretty strong flesh with some pretty strong opinions and some pretty strong ways of thinking that are kind of like ruts for us. And God has really been working on my own heart in regards to some of these deep grooves Um You know, that I tend to go down that lead me places that don't glorify the Lord. And He's really been talking to me about that and working with me on that because um, it's essential that um, all of that I guard my heart. And so, again, back to these lofty opinions raised against the knowledge of God, I'm going to talk about a couple of ways that what I would say are the two most common ways. That we end up in those places that lead us um, in thoughts or actions um, to places that don't glorify the Lord. The first is distractions. Okay. Can I just say this? I'm just going to say this out loud. We were not made to be so incredibly exposed to so much information. I think back to um, the Garden of Eden and how God told them not to eat, told Adam and Eve, you can eat from everything in this garden that I have created and made for you and given to you, but do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I've pondered that and meditated on that a lot over the years, and I think the knowledge of good and evil. So Adam and Eve just basically it was only good. Only what glorified the Lord is what they were exposed to. But when they eat, ate of that tree, all of a sudden their awareness Became of sin and of shame became overwhelming. It fractured their marriage relationship. Like I mentioned in in my last podcast on let's talk about marriage, um, there was so much that happened in that one act. But the fact that God called it the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to me indicates that that there's an amount of knowledge that we were not meant to be exposed to. God wanted to. Protect us from that, but he gave us the choice to eat from that, and he still gives us that choice. So it, it's really this temptation of seeking out and meditating on knowledge versus wisdom. And God talks about in his word that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So we often end up, and I know this happens to me as well, is I I end up giving into that temptation of, of wanting more and more and more knowledge because it's endless what we have access to, right? And there's something about it that feeds our pride. There's something, a certain degree of it, not all of it, but a certain amount of it feeds our pride, just knowing and having knowledge of all the latest of what's happening, the trends or just, and there's just so much out there. And yet God woos us and calls us to wisdom and tells us that the fear of Him is the beginning of wisdom. What is the fear of the Lord? That's a whole nother study, but essentially it's putting Him above everything else. It's putting Him above that knowledge or that need for knowledge. And it's understanding that He is the giver of wisdom. He is where wisdom originates. okay? So we acknowledge that in our thinking and in our habits of how we're what we're meditating on. And so again, it's back to this temptation of knowledge versus wisdom. or you could also call it the temptation of information versus transformation, right? We can have all the information in the world, but that does not transform our hearts. What does God's word say? It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So until um, we stop conforming to the pattern of this world and instead are transformed by the renewing of our minds— We will not be able to test and approve what God's will is. And we will find ourselves in places that are not good and making decisions that are not good for us or for our families. And this is why, again, it is essential that we guard our hearts. Another verse that just affirms um, what I'm trying to get across here is, um, It's the same verse, but it's in a different translation. What I just read was the New International Version. This is the New Living Translation. It says, Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So this whole idea of don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, what's the first thing I want to do? I want to say, okay, I'm going to make a list. What is the world telling me? And then I need to do the opposite because I need to intentionally not copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but we have to know what they are. So maybe it's a good idea for us to sit down and make that list. What is social media telling you overall to do? Do the opposite right? Okay, English Standard Version of the same verse. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by, te- that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Again, that testing is that slowing down that guarding our hearts, that's asking God those questions that I mentioned earlier about, you know, why why are these negative emotions here, God? How, why are they present? What is it, what what are you trying to tell me? You know, you're getting my attention through this negative emotion. What are you wanting? Where are you working? How can I join with what you're wanting to do right now and cooperate with it? So knowing what leads us places in thoughts or actions that don't glorify the Lord, Number one, distractions. And the second thing is comparisons. Theodore Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. Galatians 6.4 says, each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. And if you've been listening to me for any length of time, you know I talk about paying attention to your own backyard. Instead of looking at other people's and comparing, just focus on our own backyards because that's what God has given us. We're not responsible for other people's backyards, just our own. So why waste the energy? Why waste the time and the energy comparing ourselves to others? Now, that doesn't mean we can't learn from others, but you know the difference. Your heart is at peace when we're learning. Um, It is not at peace when we're comparing. 1 Thessalonians 4 verses 11 and 12 says, Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. We want to lean into the Lord. We understand that He is enough, and comparisons often lead to envy. And according to James and Proverbs, it also results in jealousy, selfish ambition, disorder, every vile practice, and even rotten bones. Right? Jealousy rots us to the bones. So let's just not go there, moms. Let's just not, okay? 1 Corinthians um, refers to this, <clears throat> this jealousy or this envy uh, type of response as behaving in a human way. It is a human response, it is a fleshly response as opposed to a godly, biblical response of guarding our hearts. We need to guard our hearts against these things. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. So we keep ourselves from resorting to the flesh by guarding our hearts. I'm going to read back through the three translations of Proverbs 4, 23 in conclusion. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this reminder today, God. We need to guard our hearts. It is essential that we guard our hearts that so that the enemy does not get a foothold in our own hearts and consequently in the hearts of our family. God, may we be wise, discerning gatekeepers of our homes by guarding our hearts. Lord, show us what that looks like specifically in our own situations and in this very day today. We just pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.